What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Uh, Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Uh, took most of the day off yesterday, so I'm feeling a little bit recharged as we start a new week. Yeah, I did pretty much the same. Just enjoyed watching some NFL football, the Reds, and then last night's NBA playoff game. It I feel recharged after the trip to Auburn. It wasn't too weird, Derek. I'll, I'll tell you, I know, I think I talked a little bit about this on the postgame episode the other day, but those 17,000 fans in the stands down there, adding in the, the noise from the sound system and stuff, it, it felt, it sounded the same, honestly. Yeah, I think Steve's mentioned that today in his uh, press conference that he had, that you're allowed to go up to a certain level, and he didn't he didn't know what level that was. But when you add in the fans who are there cheering, I, I could see it still being, you know, a, a pretty good atmosphere. It was. It wasn't awkward at all. Um, the, wearing the mask the entire time in the press box didn't bother me either. I, I was sort of – that was the longest I'd ever had to wear one. And uh, honestly, I forgot I even had it on. I, yeah. I think I walked all the way to the car with it on, even though when no one was around me. And I was like, I can take this off now. But, Derek, we're we're going to recap some things. I know you and I both have watched that game. I told you the other day that from my vantage point, I couldn't see any replays. I didn't get a second look at anything until I got home uh, late Saturday and then I watched Sunday. So I guess let's start with that and then we'll get into Stoops uh, press conference quotes and stuff today. There were there were no changes on the depth chart other than Isaiah Cummings made an appearance there at wide receiver. Uh, just two days now. What are your thoughts looking back on Saturday's loss? Uh, a lot of the same thoughts that I had, I think, when we talked on Saturday. Um, when I talk about the fan base in general, it's mostly what I see on Twitter and then also on message boards. So I understand, though, that that is a small segment of all the people who watch Kentucky football games and cheer. But I thought the criticism for Terry was, was pretty strong just for a guy who hadn't played in a long time. And maybe it was the turnovers that did that to people that just really frustrated them. Uh, because that, the, the the fumble more or less was a backbreaker when you flat out just dropped the ball. It wasn't hit. Uh, Stoop said today it was his own knee that caused the fumble. Um, that set up Auburn with a short field where it was going to become – well, not necessarily. It was still 15-13. to 13. So you put the defense in a spot where they were – Auburn was already starting in field goal range. Uh, but Kentucky – would have had to come up pretty big to keep them off the off the board altogether. And, of course, they allowed the touchdown to Williams, and that was kind of uh, that. And then the Duffy one was just – that's when it just kind of felt like it made it worse than what it really was when they started doing stuff like that. Well, do you think if you take out the fourth quarter and they lose that game, say 15-13 or 
if they end up getting the lead then losing it late and it's a well-played fourth quarter, how much different do you think the reaction would be today? Because I think that's what – I think people forget how close they were to having a chance to win that game just because of those four to five minutes that just completely imploded. If it was final score of 15 to 13, we'd be asking what the hell happened on that two-point conversion because that would have been the main story as to why they lost. Yeah. Uh, on both two-point conversions, not only for Kentucky. And, and, again, you never know how things would have turned out. But uh, we, we talked about it on Saturday. The dynamic of it was just really weird once uh, Auburn went for two at the start of the game and got it. So the rest of the game, you know, after Akeem Hayes caught that touchdown, he should have been kicking an extra point to tie it. And then, you know, it's just a different ball game. But uh, overall, I thought it was encouraging. Some individual performances, Josh Pascal was great. Um mm-hmm. That's a big bright spot going forward, and I thought he would be, and he, he played very well. Um, I thought it was interesting, uh, some of the personnel decisions. Um, I, I was under the impression that Katie McDaniel and Jared Casey were not there, Sean, because we didn't see them on defense. But uh, both those guys ended up playing special teams. And m- not so much McDaniel because, I mean, in a game like that, I think they had a lot of trust in Boogie. And then, you know, when they would bring in some of those other packages – Maybe that's just not a spot you see as much depth, I guess, needed, uh, that, that Sam linebacker spot. But Jared Casey, to me, it was very surprising that a guy – It's I, I think it's more than arguably, I think it's undeniably the thinnest position on the team is the inside linebacking group. And they played Derek Jackson, a true freshman, over him. Mm-hmm. So you're in a spot where when you look at it from top to bottom, he's probably the fifth inside linebacker right now. And he's a guy that I think they certainly expected more from. But like anything else, I'm not going to draw too much from this first weekend. If we get to game three or four and he's still not playing, then I think it might be time to, you know, kind of consider what kind of expectations you need to have for somebody like that. Just because if anyone was in a spot to make a move this year, I thought it would have been him. And for them to play Jackson and Bembry over him, I thought I thought it said something. But like I said, need to give it some more time before drawing any hard conclusions from that. Yeah, you mentioned, you asked Stoops today about that, if the way the game was being played sort of dictated, you know, some of that. But, uh, Derek, I I think, you know, going back to we talked about Terry's play, and you called me Saturday night, and there for a moment, I was sitting there, and I was was putting a lot of emphasis on the result of that game for, for a moment. And you talked to me sort of, I guess, off the ledge a little, and, and I think it was just because I think a lot of us thought Kentucky would go down there and win. They gave themselves an opportunity, but it all came down to the skill positions. And when I came home and watched the game, I saw some things Kentucky did do well and also saw some areas of the field, Derek, where they just uh, were not up to par to beat a team like Auburn, and it was definitely on the outside. Derek, it was even even the skill guys for Auburn were more physical than Kentucky's corners and safeties. I watched a couple of plays. Cedric Dort got absolutely rocked on a play that where he was nowhere even near the ball. And then after the initial hit, it looked like a lineman putting him on the ground again. And that that, that stood out to me that to beat those teams, you not only have to have the skill set, but you have to have the physicality on the outside too, and they did. Yeah, I mean, Auburn – the first touchdown pass to Seth Williams was uh, – that's a great play. I mean, I don't think – and Bo Nix even said that UK had that play covered well. They did. I mean, UK had Tyrell Asian and uh, 
I want to say that was Eccles on that one. I know Kelvin Joseph was not involved on that first touchdown throw. He was at the bottom of the uh, screen. Uh, uh, Auburn had one receiver uh, to the left side, and that's what he was on. So, regardless, the coverage wasn't bad. I mean, they had guys there. That's just a, a great athlete going up, making a catch on a throw that was right where it had to be from Knicks. But the other one, you know, it made Joseph not look as good, but – I'd like to see Joseph turn his head and play the ball a little bit more on that. I mean, he was definitely playing Williams, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't great coverage. I mean, he was on him, but it wasn't it wasn't a great attempt to really break up the pass play. Um, so. No, and in the game, it came down to to two third and goals. Uh, the first one, Derek, you're not going to see many teams score a touchdown on that third and goal. That was a third and it was a lengthy third and goal. I think it was like, what, third and from the 12, maybe, 12 or 13-yard line, the jump ball that he threw up to to Seth Williams. Uh, that play and then the fade route there in the fourth quarter the, off the third and goal. There's You take those two – if those two passes are incomplete, Auburn's settling for field goals, and you're taking eight points off the board. And even with the disaster at the end, it's 21 to 13, and Kentucky still has a chance. So – that's where when you if you want to beat these teams like Auburn and you know Kentucky's beaten Florida recently and you know some of these other teams but if you're wanting to consistently move into that top tier of the SEC now they're they're a mid mid-tier SEC program which isn't bad that's a really good spot but if you're wanting to climb to that next spot there you have to beat they're able to beat most teams in the league in the trenches just grinding it out and running the ball there's teams on the schedule that are going to do that too but you can't beat the Alabamas, the Auburns, and those schools that way. They're too strong there. You have to have skill guys that can go and get quick scores, explosive plays, and that's I feel like that's what is a priority now. And there's a reason Kentucky's recruited so many wide receivers the last couple of classes. It is. Um, it's not an offense that you know lends itself to quick scores. Uh, I mean, very methodical drives, which are very good. I mean, UK's opening drive was, was great. 11 plays, 93 yards. You do hit a big play, a 35-yard run. That certainly is categorized as a big play uh, to score the touchdown. And then uh, I don't know the yardage off the top of my head on the other touchdown drive, but it was a long drive. And that was, to me, that was kind of the thing, too, before I hop back into the other thing. You can talk about the yardage and things like that. UK outgained them. Uh, the yards per play, Auburn was, was far better, though, than Kentucky in yards per play. But – both teams had two long TD drives. And then the difference, though, is Auburn scored two touchdowns on short fields. UK did not get a turnover uh, on Saturday. They, they didn't help themselves, really. Every drive, it seemed like, was had to go the distance for Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, the, the pooch punts that uh, Bonex had really set them back on two drives. Uh, well, no, I guess the first drive, actually, was whenever they scored the touchdown. Uh, but the second drive yeah. in the second half set them back. They couldn't get the ball out of their own shadow the, of, of the you know end zone, but they were bailed out a little bit by a great punt from Max Duffy. But an offense like this, you know, the defense playing complimentary football, you need to get some help right there from from your defense. Maybe force a turnover, and it's just the weird things too, Sean. I mean, the breaks that I, I call them breaks, but like, how often do you see <laughs> Kentucky play a team where the quarterback just flat out just drops the ball? <laughs> you just pick it up right on the thirty yard line or whatever it was. I mean. Between that and the touchdown that was taken off the board, it's just some things that went against Kentucky that Auburn, you could say Auburn didn't really force those things. I mean, one was just a, a officiating. It's, a, it's an error by the officials. And then the other, you just, you know, the other team makes a mistake and you're there to clean it up. But 
those were the, were the big things to me. And, and like you said about the offense, I mean, they're going to have to open it up a little bit more to beat some of these teams. Uh, you, you, you can run the ball all day against Vanderbilt. I think they'll have no problem running the ball against Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State, teams like that. And I know Mississippi State just had a great day uh, beating LSU, but that should still be a team you can run the ball on. But I would say even Tennessee. Like, you're going to have to be able to open it up a little bit and do more than just – and I don't want to say they were one-dimensional. I mean, hell, they threw the ball 37 times the other day. But yeah. – you need a little bit more from that passing game for sure. Well, the margin of error is very thin when you play a program like Auburn, especially on the road. Even though it was limited capacity, it's still Jordan-Hare Stadium for them. They're still comfortable in that environment. Mm-hmm. But the margin for error is thin, and that's where the turnovers, it kills you if you're not able to to overcome and make those plays. Once you And I think I, I, think I said this multiple times last week that, if Kentucky could get off to good starts, they did in the first quarter. But in the second half, they they stalled out a couple of times. And then eventually, with that offense, it became too big of a hole, especially in the first game of the season, Derek, where they're trying to break Terry Wilson in and some things. I'll ask you one more question before we get to a break here. Uh, Max Duffy, the fake punt. We saw the two-point conversion there for Auburn to start the game. Uh, this is a staff without a special teams coordinator, Derek. Uh you mentioned this last week. <laughs> if there are some struggles there on special teams, that's going to become a hot topic, right? That they didn't hire someone. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's something I wanted to be patting myself on the back about so soon, but uh, it makes sense, though. I mean, that that was it was just kind of the explanation was weird with Max. Like we said, it's like he just ran the wrong thing. It's like they had it set up before, and then. I guess he didn't wasn't aware that he wasn't supposed to do it on that time, and that, and that, that was, was a straight one, fake. It like was. There was yeah. usually he'll look like he's going to punt it, and then he'll make a read. No, there was no read on that one. That was that's what made me wonder what exactly happened there because that was a, a fake the moment he got the ball. That well, how, I know the first one they were anticipating it would have been like a fourth and however much yardage Terry would have gotten. Because that's when they had it set up, but was it, it was more like a fourth and five, though, right? It um, was. So that's um, was when you add in how five. far back he is for a punt. I mean, that's that's a that's a long run, kind of, especially for your punter, someone who's not used to to doing that. But that that was a thing that it was kind of a disaster of a play. But at the same time, the rest, you know, the kickoff unit maybe could have used some work. I think Auburn had some two returns coming back, but give that some more time. Uh, if they have issues all year, I have no doubt Stoops will clean that up, and, hire, and do whatever's necessary. Yeah, and two, Chance Poor, you know, we've we've been told he has a huge leg. He, I think what they're wanting from him is to put that thing through the end zone consistently. If they yeah. can – because that, that was what Grant McKinnis was really good at. There weren't a lot of kickoffs that were returned. So that's what they're needing from that because, yeah, you're right, their kickoff coverage uh, – it kind of looked a little suspect there a few times that where guys weren't in position to tackle then guys were getting run ran over. I was like, okay, this, yeah. this is not ideal. Uh, but before we get into a quick break here, this episode is brought to you by the butcher's pub, uh, two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, Derek, I'm going to go out there again this week and get another Buffalo chicken sandwich. I'm telling you that thing was delicious. Uh, wing Wednesday coming up here pretty soon. You get all those delicious flavors, 75 cent wings, $2 domestics, Got NFL Thursday Night Football. Get out there this week. Watch Kentucky Ole Miss. Two locations, one in Pineville, one in Williamsburg. But you're listening to Kentucky Daily. We'll be back with more right after this. 
Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. Derek, we've mentioned Terry Wilson's name some in there in the opening of the show. How would you grade his performance if you had to put a grade on it? I mean, certainly not an A. It certainly wasn't awful either. I, honestly, I think he might have exceeded some expectations in my mind. But there were some things there that they have to improve. And if you take out the fumble, maybe his grade's quite a bit higher, honestly. Yeah, I'd probably put it C, C-plus range, um, a passing grade, but not nothing. It wasn't an extraordinary performance by any mean, and means. And the two turnovers, I mean, those are really what hurt them. And I uh, should make a point, Stoop said today, and I thought it was weird watching the play, but he said today that uh, I believe it was Josh Ali who was by Rodriguez on the pass. So more or less, he was saying Rodriguez – or sorry, uh, Ali ran the wrong route. So – Basically, it was only supposed to be Rodriguez over there, and that would have freed up uh, Rodriguez because uh, all these guy was the one who came off of him to pick that pass off. So, regardless, Terry still has to see that. You know, it's not really his fault that Ollie ran the wrong route, but he still put the ball in the air and allowed the other guy to come over there. And then, of course, the fumble was—I mean, we talked about it. It's just that it can't happen. That's that was a big play, and it hurt the team pretty bad. Um, and Charles, I think you wanted to point out because we talked about it. Uh, if you go back and watch that, UK took a timeout before that play, and they had gotten the snap off before the whistle was blown, and it looked like UK had something. Yeah, they. The, yeah, they had. Uh, it was a handoff. It was a read to smoke, and it looked. I think it was actually the same play that they scored the touchdown on, uh, is what it looked like. And he had put this way. There was a helmet on a helmet. Everywhere in the middle of the field, and he was definitely getting to the line to to the the yard to, to gain. But there was also a chance there that if he makes one guy miss, that might have turned into a twenty-five to thirty-yard play. And we're having a completely different discussion today if that happens. And then Derek, too, the play that they ran there, Stoops mentioned it today with the fumble that Terry saw that guy there. And this goes back to what you and I talked about. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not, that I didn't know if he looked as fast as he did two years ago. And I thought that that was a play where Terry went to go inside, and that's when he lost the football. Terry Wilson, that we know, would try to get to the edge there. And I I thought he might have had a chance. He would have at least gotten a few yards. It wouldn't have been a fourth and five. I think it would have been like a fourth and two. Could have even gotten a fourth and one out of it. So what did you think about that? That just – it didn't look like it was going anywhere, though, from the moment the, the ball was snapped. No, it looked like, to me, from what I can remember on that play, he was trying to get to the outside, and he, he was going to be one-on-one with an Auburn player because Austin Dodson was in on that play. He had uh, handed his block off, I think, to Drake, and he needed to get outside to, to kick open a, a block for Terry, but he was not going to be able to get there. No, he was nowhere near it. He, he, you know, if that was his assignment to get there, uh, he wasn't going to be able to get there to do that. 
Um, it was going to be a tough play in that. It's, uh, from what Stoop said, maybe Terry didn't run the right, you know, he didn't follow his lead blocker like he maybe needed to. But regardless, I don't know if that play call was going to be able to do enough to, to get the first down. Well, the, the thing was is when he got I – didn't, I didn't even see a lead blocker there. Like, I didn't – Yeah, that's what I was just thinking like about. Like, there, there was nothing there for for anyone. It was pretty much – if, and that's where pre-snap, if you see that guy sitting there, I mean, why don't you check out of that play? Like that, you see UK check out a lot at the line of scrimmage. They did Saturday, and they they had some really successful plays when they did check yeah. out. So that I think that was surprising. Uh, it's one of those situations where you you knew the timeout was going to hurt, but I didn't think it would hurt like next play. But it, it certainly did. Like they had a great great play call before the timeout. Yeah, and it also came on a high snap, too, so that should have slowed down the timing. UK still looked like they had something. And what I was trying to determine when I saw that was, okay, is Auburn for these players letting up because they heard the whistle? And I don't think it was that. I mean, I think they had a play a play there. One of the next topics, too, Sean, we wanted to talk about, and I made a mention of it, and a lot of people have, for sure. Kavasi smoke, just seven carries. Uh, he had 62 yards. Of course, he had the 36-yard or 35-yard, I think is what it was officially ruled, touchdown. Uh, Nick Roush on today's uh, Zoom conference asked Stoops about if he felt like the running backs had determined some roles, and he he got I thought a little defensive over it. I don't know if you were on there today, Sean. He, uh, yeah, I was. He uh, he did, uh, and that was weird to me that he got so defensive over uh, what I thought was a pretty harmless question regarding that. Uh, because I think what what and I'm I don't want to speak for Nick uh, if he's listening to this, but. You know, to me, when you look at these backs, like AJ's role, he's going to be the guy who starts. We all know that, but he's he's the best pass catcher out of the group. Cavassier, to me, seems like the best playmaker, a guy who is a little bit more explosive, can do a lot of good things. And Rodriguez, you know, he's your guy who's going to fight for yards uh, down in the goal line. He's the guy you want. And I assume that's kind of the, what Nick wanted to mention, but Stoops took it as like he was kind of pissed off that it was even asked about, I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to well, speak for Either, but it was a weird, I thought, reaction to. It it was because then it was the you're going to ask me every week about that, and you guys know that, you know, last year they rotated all three of those running backs. One has a huge game. Well, that was kind of the point that I think they were trying to get to is that Smoke yeah. was having a huge game to that point. He had 49 yards on his first two carries. Derek, I mean, he also, it was, uh, he's also the guy who had the unfortunate reality of getting beat up twice on the goal line. So two of his well, carries were end up against their own end zone. Well, I think that's what didn't make sense to me was that didn't seem like the the spot to give him another opportunity to get him going. I mean, cons- like to me, Cavassier smoke in the middle of the field, and when you're in between the the thirty and the thirty. That is where we've seen him break some big plays. Like so a lot of touchdowns last year, Derek, that he had long runs on that he just made a play and got to the edge and was gone. And you saw that. He outran guys on that first touchdown the other day. I thought Rodriguez, I thought he played well. I thought he was good in some short yarded situations. His numbers, like you mentioned the other day, they're they're weird because all of his stuff was inside pretty much the twenty yard line. And he should have had a touchdown. He should have had a touchdown. He also uh Speaking of guys who got put in bad spots, his first carry, he uh, as soon as he touched the ball, he got his legs <laughs> taken out on a pitch. So he started the day with, uh, I think, negative six yards rushing. So he had to fight out of the hole to finish some positive yardage. He had one run that I thought he made a bad read. It looked like they had 
blockers for him, and he kind of ran right into one of his own guys. And it, went, it should have been a few more yards of a gain, and it wasn't. But what you can't – I mean, when you watch that game again, though, or when you watch it live, he fights so hard for all his he yards. Does. I mean, he's always falling forward. That's something that I think uh, – and maybe that's what Stoops was getting aggravated about. I don't know. I mean, no one – if he read that people were talking about it, like – Maybe last year there were times where you could say, like, hey, UK should probably go more with these young guys. But, like, if AJ's going to be catching the ball to the backfield, he's got a spot. Well, I mean, those well, are that's good what happened. Well, that's what happened last year. AJ wasn't getting those because they didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. So I think that's what made him not – probably that was the best he had looked in a long time to me Saturday. That That's what he does. That's how you use him. And he can be an explosive weapon, Derek, in those situations. So all, all three of them need to play. I think I just feel like if, if one of them shows you their hot hand or, their, or makes a huge play like that, I instantly go right back to them the next drive. And let's see if, yeah. you know, the opponent can, you know, ha- keep that in check. Uh, but after the touchdown drive, I don't think Smoke got a touch until was it, well, he got that one carry. But it was Rodriguez in there, so they they stuck with the rotation. But I don't know. Like uh, they definitely have. It's, I guess it's a good problem to have when you have three guys that you could put in there for twenty carries a game if you wanted to. But to me, the bigger topic is the red zone offense. We knew through fall camp, Derek, they had stated that there were they'd stalled out in some red zone situations more than they wanted to. Uh, we've seen this problem short yardage in the past. Uh, and things like that, and I think it comes down to, it, well, you see Auburn the other day. You got skill position players. I mean, that you can throw the ball to when you're inside the 15, inside the 10 yard line. Uh, this is an offense, Derek, that they're really good when they have space. But when you get in there and it's a short field and teams stack the box, they're going to make Kentucky throw the football in those spots. And credit to Terry, they did hit Akeem Hayes on that slant route yeah. there for a touchdown. That was a good offensive series that they capped off with in the red zone. But then uh, you get down there in short yardage, they need somebody to go to. And that's where I, I would like to see them go to a Keaton Upshaw in some situations like that, a big target. And I think that's why you see Isaiah Cummings uh, making an appearance on the depth chart. I think he's a guy that if you want to use him this year, that's going to be kind of a specialist type role. But I, I totally agree with you. That's who I was thinking of was Upshaw. Uh, Last year against Florida, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a play inside the 10-yard line or anything, but Sawyer, uh, when he found Upshaw for his first career touchdown, that was near the red zone. I might have been a little outside of the red zone. I have a hard time remembering exactly how far that was. But you got him matched up one-on-one with the DB, and you take that size all day. You just throw it up to him. He should make that play if you put the ball Absolutely. in a spot. So, um, speaking of Upshaw, though, like, uh, Adam Luckett put a, a video clip of Brendan Bates, the third string tight end, just like leveling dudes. So, you know, Rig, and, and I know Rig, they like as a pass catcher as well, but Bates seems like a specialist to me in terms of blocking. Upshaw can block, but like he's in there because he's an athletic big target. And if he's going to be in there, like I don't know how he goes through that day without a single target. He's I, someone I that like, you have a weapon like that. He, I, I'm not exaggerating. He has a chance to be one of the best tight ends ever play at Kentucky. They have not had many guys who can run like that who are his size, and it's like he's he's not even out there really. And and he's a huge. And to me, he's a huge weapon, Derek. That if they if they use him the right way, and not saying that they don't. I mean, I'm not the expert here. I'm the one that's talking about the sport, not actually coaching it. But it feels like when you get in the inside the ten yard line, that's a target you want that that can yeah. win one on one matchups with that size, and it could help Terry a ton. Uh, but Joey Gatewood, Derek, we have spent 
months talking about Joey Gatewood, and it feels like we don't really get anywhere. Like we, it's a new week, but nothing's really changed. Uh, we know the interconference rule with transfers that are undergraduate. The SEC, Mark Stoops said today that they're going to vote on that. Uh, uh, now, Jeremy Pruitt hadn't heard that when he was asked during his press conference. So I, I guess where are we with Joey Gatewood and this waiver and eligibility? I, I have no idea if we'll even hear anything by then this week. I mean, we, we've been hearing it's coming relatively soon for relatively four to five weeks now. Yeah, uh, well, we're still in a spot. He was not on the depth chart uh, as of today. I think UK is certainly going in with preparations that Bo will once again be the backup. And as you get into the season, Sean, like at a certain point, I don't know how many reps do you even give Joey. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, if he's not going to be eligible, that's like why I think even if if it's two three weeks from now, if something does happen and gets eligible, then how much time has he missed? Uh, I mean, would he be able to? He's probably a guy that like you would put in certain packages for regardless. Um, but if it came down to having to run the show on offense, like I think Bo's probably going to be better equipped uh, at that point. But, no, the news, if there was news, and I feel like it probably was, is more or less Mark Stoops, but, like, the presidents of the SEC might be voting on a rule soon to allow those uh, guys within the conference who transfer immediate eligibility. Now, at Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt was asked about that, and he acted like he had no clue what Stoops was talking about. But Stoops said that, you know, UK was on a vote on that. They already put their vote in. Uh, to me, my guess is Pruitt just wasn't as up-to-date as Stoops was on this thing. Um, so that is an interesting thing. Now, when that decision will be made, I don't know. But it, I'm starting to get the impression, though, Sean, I, I do believe, based on what I was told, that they thought the word gentleman's agreement is starting to get thrown around now and people are starting to say, oh, well, that wasn't real. I, I'm not ready to go there. My opinion now on it is that I think Stoops thought he would have been cleared no problem by the SEC. That's probably my guess, and he was comfortable yeah. saying, okay, he'll be he'll be ruled eligible by the SEC uh, by the time we play Auburn, but we're not going to use him because Auburn helped us out with the NCAA and the SEC. And let's make it known, too, that if there if there is a gentleman's agreement, that has nothing to do with the SEC office, in my opinion. Like, that's just all, you know, the SEC's yeah. decision is completely separate from that. Auburn can support it. That doesn't mean that the SEC is going to give Kentucky in favor of giving him eligibility. So I'm, I'm certain that Auburn did help, especially with the game being first on the schedule and everything. But we're just going to have to wait and see exactly what happens. But, Derek, I do, I do agree with what you said. If we get into week four, week five, Bo is getting those – second string reps right now you're not going to mess around and give joey those reps four or five weeks and not know about a waiver that you have you cannot be giving bo allen third string reps because he's he's literally a play away or a covid contact tracing or positive away from being the starting quarterback but i feel like that joey as you mentioned with keaton upshaw or isaiah cummings sort of having some you know special packages there, some plays inside the red zone. I think that's where Joey Gatewood helps this team if he gets eligible. Uh, Derek, the worst play, I, I honestly, Terry in the interception, that wasn't the worst call of that series. The QB sneak with Terry Wilson I thought was the worst call of the series. That's what set them up to have to throw it on third down. If they had just given it back to Rodriguez, I think they get in the end zone on the next play. I had a bigger problem with that play call than anything because we've seen in the past, Derek, Terry's not a physical guy. He's not going to run people over. And honestly, he literally died on that play. Like, didn't move at all. Like, he he looked like he was so uncomfortable having to do that. It it looked – honestly, it looked uncomfortable watching it. 
And there were like all, I think all 22 guys on the field were pretty much piled up. And I was like, that is literally a COVID pile right there <laughs> in the middle of the field. Well, I'm not a fan of QB sneaks unless the ball is like in regards to either a fourth down when you're trying to get it or on the goal line. Like I want it to be right. Like you barely have to get any yardage at all to get it. And I think where the ball was spotted, it was not that situation. It was like, like more so closer to the, to the one yard line. It was like a full yard almost. Yeah, that is hard to convert. Uh, and another thing, too, I don't think UK went under center all day besides that one play. Unless they did on the – did they do it on the play-action pass or was he in the pistol when he threw the interception? No, he, he was in the center. pistol. He was in the pistol because he faked it. Cleveland uh, okay. Thomas came through. So it should be an obvious read if you're a defense. And maybe that's fine. Maybe UK doesn't care. Like, you can see us going under center. Okay, we're going to sneak it. Maybe that's their feeling on it. The fact that he didn't they – they had no push at all. Like, he just no. went – I, mean, I don't know if he stood up too high or what happened with Terry, but he had no chance to score. And I agree with you. If you had a guy like Gatewood who is more of a, a big body who could force his way in, like Terry's not going to, like you said, Terry's not pushing a defensive lineman back <laughs> up and, there. And, and that's like no that. knock on him. That's no, just, it's, not, it's not his game. You know? No, that's not who he is. He's, yeah. And that's where I think that Joey helps. You get in those situations. I guarantee you the red zone efficiency improves, Derek, if they're inside the 5-10 yard line. Those quarterback keepers, even if you stop him, he's falling forward. That's not a quarterback you're knocking backwards. He's at least going to fall right. forward. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And, and if they can get him eligible, Derek, it, it obviously adds a wrinkle to their offense that improves those short yard situations. And we've seen in the past with the Tim Tebow's, the Dak Prescott's. I mean, we watched them as Kentucky fans growing up. Uh, you didn't. You knew what was coming. You can't stop those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just knew every time short yardage what was going to happen. I really do think, too, a lot of the stuff that they ran last year with Lynn Bowden, um, you could somewhat do – I mean, you could add even more wrinkles with Joe. That's, I mean, I've got a couple more things I want to add here before we wrap up. But one of those things, too, and it's it's not surprising because of the injury that Terry sustained, um, he, he's just not as explosive as what he used to be, and uh, at least at this point. And maybe he was running hesitant sometimes because of his knee. I don't know. I just felt like a couple years ago when he would really get out and run, he could see that speed and – I watched uh, – we'll talk more about Ole Miss later in the week. I watched a little bit of their stuff. And Matt Corral, their quarterback, who is not labeled as a dual-threat guy, like uh, I think you would still label Terry that way. He, to me, he looked far more explosive than even a guy like Terry. And he's not – it's not really his game is running. So, if that's the case, I don't know if I want to see as many design runs this year for Terry. I mean, he's still certainly fast enough to keep a defense honest. Um, you saw that a few times when he stepped up in the pocket and took off. I mean, he's not a statue by any means now. I just don't know that he's – what he once was. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's, that was my feeling on it, watching on Saturday. Saturday, yeah. And I and I don't know if that's because of the hesitancy coming off the injury or not. Like he slid a yard short of the first down yeah. and ended up forcing a third and one uh, there. And I know when you're coming off a knee injury, you're not, going, you're not wanting to put yourself in that position again. So like I told you a couple – I said it last week, and I almost fell victim to my own – what I, what I was t- trying to tell everybody else not to do, I want to give this three weeks. I want to see what Terry looks like going into Tennessee. I want to give him a fair shot here. I thought he did some things well, Derek. I thought he threw some really good balls at times. There was one that Josh Ali dropped that he went through all his progressions that should have been caught. He threw a beautiful ball to Allen Daly on a third and seven. He put it right between the corner and safety, right up the seam. Uh, that was a play that I thought if, if Daly had any speed at all, he probably takes it to the house if he had a lot of speed. But then he threw another ball to, to Ali from, I think, the right hash mark all the way to the, 
the UK sideline that I thought he made some, and then the ball to Akeem Hayes, he put it right where Hayes had to go make a play. Uh, the more I watched tape on Terry, I thought he did some very good things well, but honestly, I thought it was with his arm, not his legs. That's that's what surprised me so much about kind of just the negativity towards Terry is I felt like out of all the times I've seen him play, I mean, he, he made some plays that he didn't make in 2018, and what, what people need to remember, and I'm not trying to sound condescending, like he hadn't played a game in over a year, and he didn't get a Toledo or an Eastern Michigan to warm up with. Like, Auburn statistically is going to be a top ten defense, like most years. I mean, they have been. Like I bet that unit again finishes very high uh, in the SEC, and he he did some really good things. Now, you know, this weekend, I, I and like I said, we're going to talk more about Ole Miss later. But like looking at them defensively. This should be a big game for Kentucky's offense. If they don't put up, you know, a, a decent amount of points and move the ball, then you know you can start to maybe revise how you feel about this team and in this season. But that, to me, this week is fix those mistakes. And two, they're going to have to develop. Either they already have them, or they're going to have to figure out you know new guys to play because they got to do more with the wide receivers. That was something Stoops said today. He just said it was not good enough. Ollie had a nice day. I thought Demarcus Harris did some decent things. I mean, Akeem Hayes, I mean, his two catches were both big plays. So he's yeah. someone, but Cleveland Thomas, non-existent, did nothing. Uh, I'll, I'll cut some more slack for Isaiah Epps because he's another guy who hadn't played in a long time, um, even longer than Terry, as a matter of fact. He got in there a few times, but they've already put Cummings on the depth chart at his spot. So I felt like there's some uh, – uh, Daly, we'll mention him. I thought Daly had some nice plays. He, you know, Daly's a possession guy. He talked about he his is. speed. Like, you don't really expect him, I think, to take a post to the house <laughs> unless no. he's wide open. But Bryce Oliver is day-to-day. He is somebody who will help them for sure when he's back. But what I'm trying to get at is we heard a lot about guys like Ernest Sanders, Michael Drennan. Like, at some point, if you're not moving the ball on offense, these guys are going to get a chance. So I would, I would assume Thomas and those guys get some more opportunities this weekend. But you've got to develop some more some more playmakers on the outside and guys who, you know, Terry's got to get the ball to them, but at the same time they've got to help him out too. They do. And the one the one knock that I'll have on Terry, cause, and, it, and I think this is fair criticism, is the awareness in certain situations. When when you get a defense to jump off sides and it's a free play, don't dump it down to A.J. Rose and get nothing. You've already got five yards. Throw it down the field. I mean, if you get a pass interference call, it's 15. If your guy makes a play, it could be a touchdown. And there there was one play, I can't remember who the receiver was. I actually think it was Demarcus Harris that was a one-on-one down the sideline. That if he just thrown it down the field, they might have had an opportunity. I think I would like to see him take those shots because they gave him what? That happened twice Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I think, too, I think Stoops would like to see more awareness in that situation. But, too, Derek, that might have been just a he hasn't played in a long time. Yeah, as we go on, I mean, what I said at the time, I still stand by on the two-point conversion. But I, I, I'm not going to say anybody. I'm not going to say I was wrong. I'm not going to say other people. I definitely don't think you're wrong if you have the opinion that he should have taken a shot on the two-point conversion. I, I think more so I was just trying to put myself in his head that, you know, once you throw a 100-yard <laughs> interception return, I think it maybe puts it in your head not to force things a little bit more. When you're rolling out to your right, so everything you know, was the pretty same. Pretty much doing the same thing. Like, I can understand why he threw it away, but I told like for the other ones that you're talking about on the flags, yes, like there's no reason for a dump down on those because I mean, if you throw 50 yards on the field, it gets picked off. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's a free play. So take a shot. Maybe you get a pass interference call, and then you you know you get 15 yeah. yards instead of just a five. 
Well, and there's no way that you compare anyone to Aaron Rodgers, but if you watch the NFL Sunday night game last night, Aaron Rodgers, perfect example. And, you know, he puts the ball on the money for guys to make plays, but they got a free play, and then it turned into a pass interference and the ball at the two-yard line with a chance to put the game away. But if you get that free play, you're already getting five yards. Don't don't throw it short of that. You know, sling the thing downfield. Yeah, they didn't even – I think they completed both those passes, and neither one of them went for the distance that it would have been for the – for the flag, so no, I mean it's uh some good and some bad. I mean, you you definitely want to see see him do a little bit, you know, better this week. But for his first game back against a good defense, I would say if you read those numbers to me that he had, I would say it's a pretty good day uh, well, for him. Chris Doring, Chris Doring said this morning on SEC this morning that he was the reason Kentucky had a chance. And honestly, Derek, uh, any criticism out there, we always know the backup quarterback is the most popular person on the roster. Uh, That will continue to be that way. It's that way probably at 95% of schools around college football. It's that in the NFL. Guess what? When the day that Bo Allen becomes Kentucky's quarterback, guess who's going to be more popular than him? Unless he's really good. It's going to be whoever's back. That's just how it is. I mean, it's how it's always been. Uh, But, no, you're right. Um, There's no reason to discuss – given significant snaps to Bo, that they're really meaning something in a close game. Now, I thought some people were saying the other day that why not give Bo that last series? Well, I mean, it's a two-possession game. I mean, the odds of winning it aren't very good, but it's not – I don't consider that a blowout. Whenever you can go down and score and then possibly get an onside kick, uh, that's not really a blowout in my mind. And two, if Terry's your guy, you want him to get – He needs those snaps because you're looking to win the next two. And – we're going to talk about Ole Miss as we go throughout this week, but Derek, this game coming up, Kentucky Ole Miss, it is a huge game because now we know Mississippi State is a lot better than what we all thought they were. Now, granted, too, I think a lot of that LSU had a lot to do with that. I want to see one more game, and I don't know if we're even going to get an accurate picture of who Mississippi State is because they're playing Arkansas, who Georgia literally just tore apart in the second half the other day. Uh, but so we're not really going to know a lot about these teams. That's why I keep saying hold off till week four, week five, and that's when we're really going to know exactly what's going on with these programs. You know, Georgia's still trying to figure out their quarterback situation. There's a lot of teams trying to figure things out right now. They figured it out today. They got JT Daniels. So they cleared. So they'll be starting there. But you're right. Uh, it's interesting. I guess the way we can wrap this up, if you want to, Sean, is just kind of SEC week one takeaways. Like, I. I saw, to me, it's just, there was just way too much doom and gloom, I thought, you know, based on results from the Kentucky game. I mean, it's like people are more impressed with Ole Miss because they put up points. Like, never mind the fact that they gave up 50-something points and, like, Kyle Trask has six touchdowns on them. Yet the only thing I hear people talking about is how dangerous Ole Miss is going to be. You know, I don't think UK is going to put up those kind of numbers passing the ball on them, but, like, UK up front is much, much better than Ole Miss. And, yeah, there's certainly things to worry about whenever you play a team that can score like that. But I don't know. I was really surprised kind of at the negativity that that came from that game. But were there any other kind of SEC week one takeaways as it pertains to, you know, what UK might be facing? Uh, Not facing. I think one of my takeaways is Texas A&M is not a threat in the West. Uh, I just don't think that they're there. Uh, Vandy. Uh, battled them, had a chance to win the game. Uh, looking at the rest of the SEC, Alabama still. I mean, they're still the team to beat, in my opinion, on that side. Uh, I want to see what happens this Saturday 
Georgia-Auburn. I think Auburn, right now, I would pick Auburn to win that football game. I really would. From what I saw Saturday, and let's say this too, my question all last week was which quarterback needs to play better for their team to win. Bo Nix did it. He he played great. He showed the improvement to take that next level. He commanded the troops. I mean, he, he was a confident quarterback out there, Derek, and I think he took a big step forward. And honestly, if Auburn beats Georgia Saturday, they're probably going to be in the thick of this thing in the West the entire time. From what I saw and what I watched, and again, it was one week, I, I felt like, like you said, if they beat Georgia this weekend, I think their game versus Alabama is going to determine who wins the West this year. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State's going to be interesting to me. Uh, LSU, I am surprised LSU lost. I mean, I, I picked LSU to win last week. I wasn't surprised that it like that is a lot to overcome in one year. The amount of guys that they lost, plus the coordinators that they lost, uh, they're in for I wouldn't say a long season, but it's not going to be. I don't think they're going to be competing for the West. Like to they're, me, they're five they're, and five. Yeah, like Mississippi State's probably got a better chance to finish higher than them. But uh, Mississippi State, like you said, I mean, UK's about to get on a run right here where Mississippi State's, I think they came in at 16th. Is that right in the poll around there? Yeah, they did. So they're probably going to be pushing top 15 because they come to the election very soon. Tennessee, I don't think Tennessee's going to lose to Missouri. Uh, who else? They might. They play Georgia before they play Kentucky. I forget. Basically, you're about to play three straight-ranked teams, though, after Ole Miss. So that is why you've got to beat these teams on the schedule. Um, even if you want to say it's a toss-up game, I think Vegas had Kentucky close to a touchdown somewhere around there, so a they decent did. margin. But at the same time, like, if you lose this game on Saturday, it becomes very uh, very tricky. Well, uh, I'll tell you this: if if they want to win at least six games, they got to win this one Saturday. If they want a six and four SEC record, which would be an outstanding year when you take it all into, you know, put it all into account. There, uh, two huge games coming up, Derek. The SEC did announce today that Kentucky's matchup versus Mississippi State will be a 7:30 p.m. Eastern time kick on Saturday, October 10th. That game will be on the SEC Network, so they'll have a night game. So this Saturday, Kentucky Ole Miss will kick off at 4 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network. Uh, we're going to have some guests on this week to get you ready for that matchup. Uh, but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.